Deep down in each one of us, there is a need to belong. We have this deep sense of wanting to be a part of something. And we get our identity by where we belong, whether it's our family, our job, um, our education, our community, whatever it is, there are things that we attach to that, that give us a sense of belonging. But I, I believe that one of the most important things that we can belong to is a church community, of a family of God. But you know, there's, there's a couple different ways that I want to talk about in terms of how we belong. Because if we belong to a church for what it's going to do for me, kind of like a country club, if I belong to um, 24-hour fitness, for, for, for instance, I pay a price and then I expect services that will be available to me and that will take care of my needs. But there's another way of looking at church, and that is church as a biblical community based in what the scriptures tell us. I want to share that with you today. Is that okay? All right. So, belonging. I have a, another question for you. Do you believe that God has positioned this community which I love this community because of the diversity of cultures and nations that we have here. I think that's an incredible picture of what it's going to be like in heaven. And, and, and so um, I, want to, I want to suggest that God is poising this congregation to do something great. Amen. Because we're not okay where we are right now. God wants to take us to a higher place. Do you believe God can do that? Amen. Well, I want to I share with you a personal experience. What can God do with dedicated biblical members? What can God do? I want to tell you a story about Mary Givehand and Arlene Hosher. Two very special people in my history, in my life. They were elderly women sitting in a little house that was called a church. There was no steeple on it. It looked, on the outside, like a simple, small house. The entire first floor in, in this church, which was in Nebraska City, was the sanctuary. And downstairs, there was a little expanded room that was the fellowship dinner place, and a tiny, tiny Sabbath school room, and then a furnace room. This little place, Mary and Arlene were sitting in that sanctuary at worship time. It was empty. It had been empty. It was only the two of them. Arlene's uh, grandfather had been a literature evangelist who passed out religious books and was the founder of this little church. She had a picture of him with his wagon and horses. Mary and Arlene were sitting in an empty church. What can two elderly women do? They vowed in this empty church never to close this church as long as they were alive. And they were prayer warriors. Well, 
here comes this young family, Bill and Flory, with their four children. They had just moved in to a nearby town and came to church on Sabbath. And there were Mary and Arlene with their Sabbath school lunch because they always wanted to have food if somebody appeared. Bill and Flory came in. They had, they had their Bible study together. They left. And on the way home, Bill says to Flory, Well, we're not going back to that place. And Flory says, But Bill, they need us. Well, I was new in that church district. I had a main church of 250 members in Nebraska City, and I hadn't gotten down there for the first couple of weeks. And I got a call from the conference president. He said, Rick, have you been down to Nebraska City? I said, no. I found out that he had student uh, preached there. He said, you better get down there. So I got down, and I meet Bill and Flory and Arlene and Mary, and and I preached a sermon, and then afterward I got together with them. And Bill said, well, we figured we had to do something. So he got 25 sets of Bible studies. And he said, we've got 25 Bible studies going. I said, really? I said, did you send out a mailing? He said, no, we're, we just went door to door knocking on the doors. So my training was, if you see the Holy Spirit working in a place... You need to go there. That's what Jesus did. He said, where my father is working, that is what I do. So there's this principle. And so I called up another family that I knew that was outreach-oriented, and I told them what was going on here, and they joined us. In the next couple of years, we had almost 70 people attending that church. There was kingdom growth, there was baptisms, and we had outgrown this little cracker box. And so we bought, long story short, a doctor's office and expanded the reception area to make an area for worship. And there was room in the back to open up a fellowship area that had a kitchen in it. And all of those examining rooms became Sabbath school rooms for all the children that had come together. What can two elderly women do? But you know, what was happening in that church, in that spirit of that church, was whatever it takes. They were mission-minded, they were committed, they believed, and God blessed them. Is it about a dynamic pastor? No, it's not. You know, a pastor has a part to play. We have a part to play, but the biblical model is Christ is the head and a healthy church is a lay-driven church where members do a lot of the heavy lifting. The pastor has a part, and you should be praying for our pastor. I, I want you to be lifting him up. It's a, it's a very high calling in a time like this because there are spiritual dimensions that are impacting he and his family. Lift up your pastor in prayer. This isn't the only place that I witnessed the Holy Spirit working. I got a call from, from the Oregon Conference. It had been, we had gotten several calls. And Cheryl looked at the caller ID and it said, Oregon Conference. Um, 
which, which is, uh, th- were made up of conferences that have churches under the conference. And she said, just tell them no. <laughs> so he tells me the story, tells me the story of the church, this little church, Oasis, had, had rented a place, it was a church plant, it had, the, the pastor of that church joined with the pastor of the Sunday church, took a third of their members into, the, into this other church, a third stopped attending, and 60, we got the message that they had been praying, and they had come to the conclusion that they wanted to go deeper spiritually, and that they wanted to stay Seventh-day Adventist Christians. <laughs> the real miracle is Cheryl's heart melted when I told her the story, and she said, well, let's check it out. That church began to blossom, and at its, at its zenith, there were over 200 attending, with 60, which was the original. Was it about the pastor? No, I had a part to play. But I want you to know the importance of each and every one of you because that's what we're talking about today. It's not about, well, if the pastor. No, it's us. Whenever we say us and them, we're in deep trouble. It is us. It is all about us. What can God do to, with a dedicated biblical Remember, he can do great things. Two elderly women and this miracle church that I got the privilege of being a part of. The Apostle Paul is writing to the troubled Corinthian church. (laughs) They had their problems. But in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he begins talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus had promised, he said, Unless I go, I cannot send you the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one who is going to draw you all together. Unless I go, I cannot send you the Holy Spirit. And so here Paul starts to share. He says the human body has many parts. Notice here, don't don't lose this. He's talking about the human body, a living organism, right? And who does he compare it to? But many parts make up the whole body, So it is with the body of who? The body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Think about about the intensity, the, the depth of meaning. You are an essential part of the body of Christ. You know, the world can tell you that you're insignificant and not important. The world can tell you that that you have no meaning and no purpose in life. But when you're part of the body of Christ, God knows you by name. Jesus knows you by name. He calls you precious. He even knows the number of hairs on your head. I'm giving him an easier and easier job of keeping track of my hairs. But he loves us with an everlasting love. And we are loved not as a body. He loves his body, but he loves us as individuals. Don't miss the significance of this. 
You are precious in the sight of Jesus. No matter what things are going off in your head telling you about yourself, the things you heard when you were growing up, the things you've experienced, you are precious in the sight of the Lord and of infinite value because Jesus says you are. He continues on and he says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some, some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. This is a statement of unity. And Satan gets his victories by causing disunity, critical spirits, and division. We are one under the Holy Spirit. We are connected and called precious by, the, by Jesus, and he gives us this gift of his spirit dwelling in us. He says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. There are many different parts. And so we come to this place where God's message, God's message to us is that the church is not uh, as a worldly organization, but rather as a living organism where each member has a key part to play in its mission. You are a part of the mission of this church. You are not here by accident. God assembles a team, and each one has a part to play in the team. If you feel unimportant here, God forgive us. We want you to know that you are precious and a, an incredible endowment to us as a church because you're part of the mission that God has given this church. And I believe that God is going to more and more clearly define who we are as a people and what our mission is. You believe that? I hope so. <laughs> now, Paul continues on with this, with this final statement that we're going to look at before we have our discussion time. If one part suffers, how many parts suffer? All the parts. This is talking about a connectedness. We heard a testimony of Paxton, who this, this boy who has experienced a miracle, and his family has experienced a miracle, and you saw the passion that our sister Mary said. She felt the pain of that family. There's a connectedness. If one part suffers, they all suffer. And this is really important. And if one part is honored, all the parts are what? Glad. Oh, my goodness. Have you ever seen somebody who excelled and did something wonderful in the church and other people grumble about it or feel jealous about it? You see, when we are part of a mission and somebody excels, then we celebrate. As a matter of fact, when one soul converts to, to Christ, all of heaven, what? Rejoices and celebrates. This is a high ideal. Christ gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish this, to do this thing. 
We are all here and not by accident. So we're going to take time to talk around our tables a little bit. Compare belonging to a church as a uh, club member or belonging to a biblical model church, the connectedness of the biblical model versus the club model where we are served. Go ahead, take, we'll take a few minutes on this. And afterward, um, if we'll send our, around a mic for anyone who wants to share something that they've learned at their table. All right, we should be wrapping up. As a reminder, we'll have a mic going around. If you, uh, if you have something to share, we'd love for you to uh, raise your hand. And we'll get somebody to you, Tyler, and uh, I believe Maya. All right. So our question is, compare belonging to church as a club member or belonging to a biblical model church. Anyone want to share something you learned at your table? All right, I see Mike has his hand up. Mike needs the mic. I'm just going to be real straight. I don't want to put on a facade. I always feel condemnation with messages like this, but I have to see past that. And the thing is, we have to have a servant's heart no matter where we go. If it's a servant's heart filled with love, the biblical model will follow. We look at Paul, look at Jesus. I was thinking of King Cyrus. God blessed King Cyrus, and God said, I didn't, you don't even know me, but I'm going to bless you. Because mm. I believe he had a servant's heart. That's my view. Okay, a servant's heart. Um, it's interesting because after 1 Corinthians chapter 12 comes the very famous and often read chapter 13, Love is patient, love is kind, it is not disobedient, it is not proud, it is not boastful. So, yes, Mike, you're, you're nailing that. And I, I would also like to say there is a tension in the Christian life. Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 3. The knowledge of where we would like to be, and which is a goal, and the, where we actually are, the reality of where we are, that we're not yet in our ideal, and, and Jesus gave Paul this message. He says, not that I have already attained all this or have already been made perfect, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and looking toward what is ahead, I press onward to the call for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So there's a tension in the reality of where we are, but the drawing us heavenward into a more complete person. So yes, we are, we are not there yet, but the glorious news is that the Holy Spirit is working in us to draw us to that place. Thank you for that, Mike. Somebody else want to share? Raise your hand. Hi. Okay, here's one. Thank you, Sue. Talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Sir, um, this young man takes care of me. He knows when I am writing a check to the church. He knows when I am crying because somebody has done something wonderful for me. Or I'm sad, and he brings me tissues. I appreciate that. You have a fruit of the Spirit. 
okay. to take care yeah. of us. Ty, you got you. a sensitive heart. That's and good. I think that each one of us has a fruit or many fruits. And I think being a club, club member does not understand the fruits of the Spirit. But belonging to a biblical model church, this like this man does, mm. he understands that. All right. Very good. Thank you. Good sharing. Anyone else have something they'd like to share? Something you've learned? Something that you've heard? Anybody else? Okay. Here we go. Thank you, Steve. Together after that. Jeez Louise. So you were, you were no, it was kind of piggybacking off of what you said about the club member, is that when you belong to a club, you expect things. So when we come in with the club, club member mentality, we have this, I've had a really bad week. It's been really harsh today or, 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 or in the time period. I need to be filled. So you come in with an expectation to be filled by the pastor and the congregation, but we're the only one that knows about that expectation. So if they don't meet your level of what you think you need to get that day, you're let down and disappointed, and then you walk away from your club. Mm. But if you come in with a biblical model of church, and you're coming in to simply serve, to give, to give your glory to God, then it's you're owning your life, you're owning your relationship with God, and you're owning how you be inside the church like what Susan was talking about. Okay, very good. Thank you for that, Steve. Anyone else have a thought? We've got time for one more. Always room for one more. Sharon? Oh, back here. Okay. Linda. We'll get Sharon. We, we can make time. <laughs> um, as we all know, if we've been around a little bit, there is no such thing as a humanly perfect church and probably shouldn't surprise us um, I had an experience when I was first in the church. I grew up in the church. I left the church for a long, long time, and then I came back. And so I was basically a middle-aged, newborn Christian. And in the church that I came back to, it began falling apart around me for just the reason of human sin. And... We ended up, we had a pastor who was, guess what, not perfect. And we had a lot of people who were likewise, including me, including me, including all of us. Um, and I noticed that at the church service was one of the things that first uh, felt very welcoming to me. They had beautiful music and all of these things. Well, there was so much criticism of the choir director that he quit and moved to California. So the pretty music went away. Someone over there condemned the kind of music we were getting because it was too modern. So we went back to music that wasn't so modern. And they didn't like anything that had to do with praise. So we stopped singing sweet praise songs, which I thought, had thought were delightful. And we were left, you know, it was like everything of the outer part of worship mm. was being taken away. And the pastor really was not very good at preaching sermons. But <laughs> I mean, so, 
So it's like I'm thinking, wow, what is this? And it crossed my mind, I wonder why I should come. Mm. Because the things that gave to me were not giving to me. And I guess it must have been the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It said, you come not to receive always. You come to worship. And the little bitty bit of what I really enjoyed of the sermon, of the, of the worship service, I gloried in, which was the pastor's prayers, which the pastor prayed beautiful prayers. And I loved the prayers. But that, that was my little, my little breadcrumb takeaway. And you know what? God, God was so good in that season for me, and he helped me to grow, and he helped me to see the joy of just him. Because guess what? He's part of the body, too. And he's part of the team. So, you know, it's not just us at God. And God's the most important one, you know? Mm. If God and the Holy Spirit are here, and we're here. All right. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, a um, little stark reality there of when church isn't working and what do we do as an individual in that, in that circumstance? Can we be a part of the solution or a part of the problem? All right, I think we had, do we have one back here? I, okay. Yes, um, sitting down and I'm kind of weighing what to compare belonging to the church as a club member or belonging to a biblical model church. And I want to um, compare Jesus to both of these. Jesus belongs to every club when he was here on earth. Mm. If we think of it, Jesus go, I would have gone to the rum bar. He would have gone to the club where they were dancing because he has a mission. Mm. So, he and yet, he take his stand as a biblical model person who is modeling God. So, that's what I want to say, you know, you can, be, you can compare being a church member and compare to a club, you know, depends on how you see yourself. Okay. All right. Thank you, Angela. And we'll finish with Sharon. Didn't you raise your hand? Okay. You have a voice. I just wanted to focus on the model church a little bit because um, you said that, um, or we remember, that the model church is a body with Christ as the head. Mm -hmm. If one of those parts of the body doesn't do as function, what happens to the body? So even though I might be a baby toe, my body still needs me to keep some balance. Or if I'm a fingernail, I'm going to cause a lot of pain in my church if I run away. Yes. So if I want to view my church as the model Bible um, church, each part needs to function in it to keep it healthy. And I just think that sometimes we tend to focus on, on the church doesn't need me. Mm. And it needs even the fingernail. All right, thank you. And you know, that's a perfect segue for what comes next. Because in his book, I Am a Church Member, Tom Rayner shares this thought 
He says, the Bible makes it clear that if one part does not do its job, the whole body does not function well. But if one part does its job well, the whole body rejoices and is stronger. So coming back to that point, I, I totally agree with what he's saying, is that we each have a part to play, just as Sharon talked about. The model is higher than what we are achieving. But we as an individual can be part of that solution to make this body healthy because each one of us, whether a fingernail or whether a hand, each part has a part to play. So now we transition a little bit and we're going to look at the gifts of the Spirit that Jesus gave. Um, Sue mentioned the fruit of the Spirit. Everyone has the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Everyone has access to the fruit of the Spirit. But the spiritual gifts are given individually, and we're going to learn about that right now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, Paul says this, beginning in verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Get that? The body's interconnected. Each part of the gift of the Holy Spirit is geared toward helping each other. And no one has all the spiritual gifts, so we are connected by our needs and by our opportunities to focus on others. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice, wisdom. To another... The same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge, deeper knowledge. Now, these are supernatural gifts. These are bigger than just talent. These are supernatural gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit to build up the body of Christ in the mission that is happening. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. I know one person sitting in here today where I told this person, you have the gift of faith, a supernatural belief that something is going to turn out right when everything seems to be going wrong. We have one of those. We have probably more than one of those, but one that I know of for certain. Um, so the gift of faith to another, someone else, the spirit that gives the gift of healing. You know, healing is more than physical healing. Physical healing is one aspect. Emotional healing is another aspect. That, that someone has that supernatural gift. Spiritual healing is another aspect. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy, to speak the word of God in a specific way for a certain situation or it can involve the, the future. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. You may have heard it as the spirit of discernment, having a knowledge or an ability to see through, through something to whether it's true or not. Still, another person is given the ability to speak unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. 
He alone decides which gifts each person should have. So there are spiritual gifts that in the assembled body make the body connected with special abilities to do special things as according to the mission that God has given. All right, so spiritual gifts are given to help each other. As um, a couple of you mentioned, a servant's heart. Agape love is defined in the Bible by, by who God is and by what Jesus did. Agape love, which is a word for love that was, that was devised by the early Christian church. It is not in Greek literature. It is only in biblical literature. Agape love is always others-centered. It is service. Jesus demonstrated agape love by dying on the cross so that we could be saved. He didn't do it for himself, he did it for us. That's agape love. Spiritual gifts are given to help each other. The other, each member has at least one spiritual gift. Some members may have more than one spiritual gift, but everyone has one. That means that everyone has something to contribute to the mission of the church. And as, uh, as Tom Rayner said, if we withhold our gift and say it's not important, or I'm not going to do this, we are hurting the body and hurting the mission of Christ. We are all, each and every one, important. How many people are important? Raise your hand. Come on, come on. Yeah, everyone is important. You are all important. The third point that he brings out in this passage is the Holy Spirit gives gifts for the kingdom mission. God gives gifts, spiritual gifts, in order to accomplish the mission. And what is the mission? The mission is for inward growth, healing, learning, developing characteristics of Christian life. But it's also to take what is gained inside and take it out for others and bringing them into a healthy church environment. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing for us as we develop and, and do our part. So imagine. Imagine a church, this body, with people in the foyer who have the gift of hospitality. That, that in that team, there are people who have a genuine warmth and care for people. And also, maybe some prayer warriors sprinkled in there. So that when somebody walks through the door, and, and boy, I always rejoiced when I heard this, I feel the presence of Jesus in this place. And they come in, and people with the gift of hospitality, or people with the gift of prayer, or the gift of administration, come around a person Help introduce them to other people. Get them connected. That it's not just out there. It's like, well, come on in here. Oh, look, here's somebody I'd like to introduce you to. Gift of hospi hospitality. A, a church that has a prayer warrior group. Intercessory prayer. A spiritual gift of intercessory prayer where you are prayed for. Your pastor is prayed for. Imagine a church that has the gift of giving 
demonstrated by members who have been given supernatural power to accumulate wealth and they have a generous desire to contribute to the mission of the church. Imagine a church that, that has people with creative communication abilities and musical abilities to put together a worship service that just makes you sense the presence of Jesus. Imagine a church who feeds the multitudes. Imagine a church that truly cares for each other. Jesus said, you will know them by their love. Imagine a church that, that is in love with one another and in love with Jesus. Imagine a church that loves knowledge and is biblically literate and spends time, members spend time in the Word of God, studying together, praising each other, lifting each other up, caring for each other. Imagine a church where Jesus is active in the body and lives are changed. Imagine, because I have experienced it, I have witnessed it, and it is available to us. But each of us has an individual responsibility. Because if you belong within a biblical model of the church, you are committed to Jesus and he will lead you and teach you and guide you imagine to belong to that church to make a personal commitment for your own spiritual development to make it a purpose to pray that God will give you a divine appointment today is there somebody that he's going to put in your in your orbit is there somebody that you can encourage and help? Is there somebody that you can do your part? Imagine a church that has small groups where people are doing real exploration into spiritual and personal growth. Imagine a church. Brothers and sisters, if there is anything that you take from this message... I am telling you that this is an invitation to experience Jesus as you have never known him before. To experience a living, growing faith. And to know, to know where you've come from and where you're going. Because you belong. Amen. Oh, if you want to know more about the spiritual gifts, there's a collection of paper back there that gives you some of the descriptions of the primary spiritual gifts.